Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, evening, afternoon, whatever it is uh, on your side. Uh, I'm excited to be with you today, all the way here from Durban, South Africa. The title of this episode is Satan Wreaking Havoc in Krugersdorp, South Africa. And so today I'll be talking about the appointment murders that was done by a cult of killers led by a witch from 2012 to 2016. And the goal is to talk about the events uh, that, that transpired and you know what the whole situation was about in light of Christianity. Because these murders were committed by Christians. Uh, if you ever doubted if Satan exists and if demons exist, then this episode I think is good to listen to. And for those who are new, this is Fishing for Men with Mac, where I talk about all kinds of topics related to faith and life. It's good to have you listening in today. Uh, this is episode 63. It's the Friday, the 13th of August, 2021. And I think it's probably the coldest day ever in my mind in Durban. I hear that snow is found on the N3 in Pumalanga or somewhere. Uh, so it's very cold here in South Africa, while I've also heard that in the States, there's a massive heat wave going on. Uh, I received a call from my sister last week and she asked me if I've seen the documentary called Devil's Dorp. Now, I don't think it's available anywhere else than Showmax. Oh, yeah, Showmax, I'm, I'm not sure if it's uh, on Amazon Prime or any of those places. But Devil's Dorp is the name of the uh, documentary. And then later on that night, I looked on Marilla Media, which told me that this documentary had the best first four days compared to any other major series that has been shown on Showmax. Even, it even did better than things like Game of Thrones, etc. Um, and this, this documentary is about what happened in Krugersdorp. Now, let me tell you, this is an unbelievable story. Okay, and, and during the time that this happened, we actually lived there. Me and my family, we lived in this town while these murders took place. Um, and to be honest with you, while we were living there, this place always had this, there's always this eerie feeling to it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be really honest and say, I, I didn't enjoy living there. I, I cannot remember ever, ever having, having really, really good times there. And, and all of the people that I met there, and this is, this is a far stretch of, of, you know, it's hard for me to even say this because it, it just sounds so surreal, but out of most of the people, let me say 99% of the people that I met who grew up there and who lived there were very delinquent or strange and there were strange things going on in their lives. I remember this young girl that we met, we, we wanted her to come work for my wife. She had a doggy parlor in Krugersdorp and we wanted her to come work for us. And so we, we taught her about Christ and we actually uh, brought her to church as well. But every time that she came to church, she would have like this fit in the church and and I'm not talking about a um you know uh, epileptic fit something different she she it's just when she got to church she would go crazy you know she'd want to faint she'd fall over shaking and things like that and so that's one of the people that grew up you know and so this is my I've never experienced this in my life uh, other people uh, that that were um, quite spiritual, claiming to be big Christians. They were hiding away loads and loads of weapons in the houses. They were always that uh, they were always sick, always going to hospital. The whole family um, always had some disease, um, and then they go into hospital. Then they come out again. 
uh, it was just strange. Some other family worked with other people, uh, went to go work with them, and they're all Christians. Eventually, they got so, they, they just couldn't handle the work situation that they literally fled the city. And there, there was loads of other uncomfortable ideas that took place there. The one time we went into um, a house where we knew the girl and she wanted to introduce us to her, her brother that's 12 years old. And, you know, we got into the, the house and it, it wasn't a very good area. It was it was a very strange setup. The, the walls were closed off. You couldn't see into the yard and we got into the kitchen. It wasn't clean. And, and then we saw there's a room right attached to the kitchen that had... Um, that had this these steel bars in them, and we and we thought this is quite strange. There's no door; it's just steel bars like a cage. And when we we looked into this cage, we saw a naked boy standing there, a naked boy with a bra strapped around his his waist, and he's playing with this bra. And then we and then she told us, no, that's that's her brother, her her autistic brother. They've got to lock him up in a cage, you know, and and he doesn't like wearing clothes. He's just got this bra. The only thing that he he can play with and he does his toilet business and everything on the floor in that room. Now, I, I don't know if that's normal where you come from, but that was extremely strange. And that's in the heart of Krugersdorp. I mean, why not get, you know, put him into an institution that can properly take care of him, you know, and I don't want to make too much judgment about it, but, you know, I'm just explaining to you our experience of this, of this town. We, we had a guy who opened a hardware shop next to us who, and I know this happens all over the place. He was a young guy, he's probably just finished school and he, he comes across as this wonderful, um, you know, honest person. Meanwhile, he was robbing people left, right and center. The business was closed and people, you know, I, I just don't understand how you can find one town where there are so many people who are just dishonest, who rob others. It's a money thing. It's a delinquent thing. Prostitution is in the streets. It's it's just it's just it's an ugly place. And we had this this doggy parlor, and um, you know we had uh, people bring their dogs, and you would you would shave the dog, and the dog would develop a rash. Uh, we had one family, you know, a few families, but one family got so angry, they wouldn't come talk to you about their dog. They would just post a, a, a photo on Facebook, basically wanting to break down your whole business because their dog got a rash um, while getting shaved. It's the first time it happened. We had people like that drive past the shop, hoot and throw middle finger at the shop for their dog's rash on their body. So it's just, you know, it's just, this is our experience uh, th that it was in Krugersdorp. It wasn't a fun place to be in. It was, there's always fights. There's always aggression. There's always lawsuits. There's always, it's just lots of evil. But everyone in that whole town, if you ask them if they're a Christian, they'd say, yes, yes, I'm a Christian. Oh, we're, we're Christians. And it was just so interesting for me to watch this documentary of the greatest evil imaginable that took place in that town where we lived. And then coming to the realization that there's a reason why we've always had this eerie feeling about that place. Now, I would want to say to you, go watch it. You must watch this documentary. You must go watch it. Let me tell you this. It is extremely gripping. Uh, myself and Alfreda, we sat for like an hour, hour and a, you know, four hours, and we just uh, each uh, episode is is an hour, I think, hour and a half or something, and uh, you know, it's four four episodes, and we just sat watching them, and and 
uh, we were stuck to the screen. Okay, and and I mean it's, it's extremely gripping. But I think the reason for this grip is unbelief. It's the craziness. Um, this this is so filled with evil. And um, so I want to say go watch it, but actually I want to say don't watch it, uh, because this is not something that you watch and then you feel good. You don't feel good while you're watching it. You you're just too shocked. You you don't watch it and walk away and feel excited or at peace or happy. No, it actually feels the opposite way. I I this was on my mind the whole night through. I couldn't sleep. You you feel disturbed. You feel uncomfortable. So I'm not going to say go watch it, but I, I would rather give you a short summary of the whole story. And then I want to give you some thoughts. And I'm going to read some verses just later on because, you know, this is such an intense thing. And I thought I'd have to bring in some things that the Bible says. But let me start at one point. In 2008, um, we, we heard and we heard it the whole country full. And I think the news of the spread throughout the whole world. This, this, this young boy was 18 years old. He came to school, a school in Krugersdorp, uh, with uh, a, a samurai sword. Um, and he uh, was wearing a slipknot mask. If you don't know who slipknot is, that's a, a band from uh, the States. And he, he, I'm not sure, you know, I tried to read up, but he, he hit one of the boys, a 16-year-old boy on the neck with it. And I don't know if he was decapitated, but I know that he tried. There were three other people also injured until they managed to subdue this this young one. So that was in 2008. I want you to keep that story sort of in the in the back of your mind. Um, I still remember, and I read it uh, the other night as well, is that Slipknot made comments about this. And, and they said, basically, look, don't blame the band for this guy's uh, behavior. You know, that's not the things that Slipknot stands for. But if you've never looked at Slipknot, just go type in on YouTube Slipknot and listen to some of these songs. Anyway, so keep that story. Just pop that in the back of your mind. And I want to take you to another lady by the name of Ria Grunewald. Ria Grunewald seems to be a, a teacher, a Bible teacher. And she started developing a course that is called Know Your Enemy. And so she presented this in Krugersdorp and people came and they were very interested in, in this. You know, it was really about, um, about Satan and his schemes and how the demon world operates. And, you know, the idea is you've got to know Satan if you want to defeat him. You, you have to know the devil's work. Um, otherwise, he will defeat you. You need to step into the devil's world, Satan's world, so you can understand how he operates. Um, and that makes sense, right? For, you know, it sort of makes sense. You know, if the, the Americans want to defeat the Russians, they've got to sort of get infiltrate and find out what are, what are the, the details, you know, what's happening in Russia, for example. And so this lady had this, this course where she taught people these things. And that included the study of the spirits. Um, there's, there's a movement within Pentecostalism that believes that for every bad human behavior, there is a spirit behind it. Uh, so if somebody continually struggles with fornication or with adultery, the person would say, well, you've got a spirit, the spirit of Jezebel within you. And so they give names to these spirits. And Or if you're arrogant, you've got the spirit of arrogance. I, I remember one time I had a conversation with one of these guys and he said that he was an apostle, which is impossible. You cannot be an apostle today if you didn't walk with Jesus. Nobody's 2,000 years old. In any case, and, and, he, and I laughed when he said to me he's an apostle. It was just in the moment. It was just like... It was like, you're not an apostle, you're not 2,000 years old, you know, and, and I laughed. And he said, you've got the laughing spirit. And so everything that uh, humans do, they attribute to a spirit. And the problem with that is, here's the big problem, is that you take away the responsibility of the person. 
So if I say, well, you know what? I've got the spirit of alcoholism. That's why I can't stop drinking. It's, it's rubbish. Any case, so, but anyways, th this is the type of stuff that Ria Grunewald was teaching. Um, and, and, you know, also methodologies of how to take on the spiritual realm. You've got to oil your house. You've got to say certain things. You've got to remove certain things from your house. Like, for example, Harry Potter movies or Harry Potter books. Because the sign on Harry Potter's forehead is a satanic sign. You've got to, you've got to pray the blood of Jesus over spiritual forces. You need to take on spiritual forces because everything is demonic. Um, I saw one of the videos a few times about monster energy drinks that if you turn the M upside down, it says triple six and that refers to Satan, etc. And so you need to you need to cleanse your house. You need to wage war against the devil's stuff and his world. But you need to know these things as well. Now, so this lady, she presented this course, Know Your Enemy. Okay. And she met a lady by the name of Cecilia Stein. And Cecilia Stein claimed that she was a 42nd generational witch, but that she had escaped from Satanism. And so she was a Satanist, but she had escaped from Satanism and she was not allowed to move outside of Kruger, Krugersdorp, a 30 kilometer radius. Otherwise, death curses would be activated she would be killed. She would. Uh, she would. She would be die. She would, she would die by some spiritual reason because the Church of Satan was after her, and the Church of Satan wanted her dead. And so Ria Grunewald used Cecilia Stein's story. This witch. Um, she, she was basically the celebrity of the group, you know, because she came out of Satan's world and she can give, you know, secret information about Satan's ways, you know. And so people lapped this up. Everybody honored and revered Cecilia, including Ria, the lady who presented the course. Okay, and, and often this lady Cecilia, she would be attacked from distant places. You know, like I forgot what you call this thing, this puppet, and then you, you push a needle into it and then it would it would cause the person to have pain, you know, through rituals and witchcraft and things. And so uh, Ria would often go to Cecilia's house and go help her at night to pray her through these deep demon attacks. And and they, they actually show in the documentary how Cecilia is vomiting blood. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is real. This woman is literally vomiting blood. I mean, this this looks like real demonology at work. And so this. This Cecilia, she said she needs the, the prayers of the church and she needs their um, power in these moments where the Satan church is basically um, creating rituals at other places to try and kill her. And so Ria apparently even moved closer to Cecilia's house. But then we see sort of something happened and Ria started distancing herself from Cecilia and Cecilia couldn't handle this. Okay, so just to re reiterate, Ria is the lady giving the course. Cecilia is the ex-witch, right? And so the ex-witch, Cecilia, started to get angry with Ria. And so she started her own group that she named Electus Per Dies. Electus Per Dies, which means chosen by God. So you had Ria teaching a course. Now you've got Cecilia starting her own group, ministry, church, etc. Now in this group... Of Cecilia, this is the witch lady. Um, she had a, f a few people. Among them was a high school teacher, a lady who's had two children, and she met this lady with her two children at Ria's uh, courses. There's an actuary and his wife, 
There's a straight A student in high school. That's the high school teacher's daughter, for example, and uh, her son. Okay, and there's a few other people. And it is this group, this high school teacher, the actuary, the A student, uh, the high school teachers, two children that started killing people. People close to Ria to get back at her. Okay, so, so what they did is they said, okay, so with Cecilia, the ex-witch, orchestrated that this influenced the other people in the group to kill the people around Cecilia, uh, around Ria, to get back at Ria, but under the guise that um, Ria's lost the plot, she's no longer following doing God's stuff. And so they uh, killed uh, Ria's fellow teacher on the course um, and her neighbor. They killed uh, Ria's mentor, who was a preacher. Um, they killed one of the people of the group's wife. I'm going to talk about her now. And um, this 14-year-old girl witnessed the deaths, and she also helped with the stabbing. She's a straight-A student. She got six A's in, in matric, and she also participated in the sta stabbing. And nobody got caught. And this was in 2012. Move on four years later, in 2016, the murders continued again, but this time it was more for money. And that's where we read about the appointment murders, where they made appointments with with uh, people in the newspaper. Uh, a state agent was killed, for example. Uh, um, I, th I think it was, a uh, um, you know, v v various people. They just phoned through the newspaper, made appointments with them, and then they um, murdered them. Now, one of the guys, the actuary, they, they also decided that they're going to fake his death. So they took his car to a distant place. They killed another guy that they picked up and fakingly said that they're going to help. They killed him in the car, left him in the car, sit the, lit the car, you know, and the, the car burnt out and there's a body in the front seat and they wanted to fake Zuck's death because they're going to claim, three, I think, 3.5 million rand. And this Zuck guy made Cecilia his beneficiary, the, the witch. So it's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff like this, you know, and it, it, it didn't work out the, you know, the... Uh, the death claim. But the most shocking things for me was that these were normal people, everyday people. And you know what they did? The following. I mean, for example, some of the things that's really shocking for me is that Zuck, this this guy, had his wife murdered when she started realizing, whoa, this isn't right. This was a high school teacher. She stood for four years from 2012 to 2016 as a murderer teaching kids in school. And this lady, this high school teacher, is actually the one who killed Zuck's wife. Now, just picture this in your mind. These are people in a ministry, a supposed Christian ministry. A high school teacher goes, with the permission of one of the other members of the church, the actuary, to kill his wife. He gives her the remote for the house and everything. She goes into the room. I don't want to give you the details, but just one thing that stood out for me is that she, this girl was busy sleeping. She was given sleeping tablets by her husband. And this woman comes in and starts stabbing her. The girl wakes up, recognizes her. And then this high school teacher says to her, listen. And this all came out. Said to her, um, pray, I'm going to kill you. That's what she said to her. And then this girl, and then she says the girl started praying. And then she could just continued stabbing. And I'm like, how can a normal person do that? How can a normal person do that? And they say these crime scenes were some of the most gruesome crime scenes. The one guy says, the one uh, policeman who, who went to the house, he said there was there was just blood from the floor to the ceiling. And he says it was like 
it's like it, it had to be a demon that did this because a human can't do this. Uh, they took a 14-year-old girl, this 14-year-old girl that later on, I mean, this girl's 14 years old when she committed these murders and she still went through a whole high school and nobody knew she was a murderer. Okay? She went with when they wanted to kill the minister, this preacher, with an axe. And the reason why they wanted to, to take her with is so that, you know, the minister would feel safe. Well, these guys are not, you know, going to do anything if there's a child here, you know. I, you know, it's like she stabbed somebody to death yesterday. She's sitting in a class today next to your kid. She killed somebody horribly yesterday. She's teaching your children today. And this mother, this mother who did most of the killing, she's got two children and she's saying in the court, you know, I enjoyed killing. It's, 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 it's just crazy. And I think what also brought this closer home is that we've got a very special lady. She's an elder's wife. She lives in Krugersdorp. She's an estate agent. And we saw in this documentary how they picked their victims. So there was a, an estate agent lady as well that was killed. And it was quite a big shock at the time because the lady that we knew were good friends with her. And so we looked at the documentary and they were asked, but how did you choose your victims? And they said, well, we went through the newspaper and we saw all the estate agents there and we just eeny, meeny, miny, mode and we chose one. And that's the one that we killed. And it might as well have been this lady that, that we know. And so they were brutal killers. But they were normal looking people. Now, I know this is a horrible story. It's, you know, I've left out a lot of details. But I just wanted you to get the gravity of this and that it's situated in a Christianity. And I'd like to give a few ideas, a few lessons I'd like to share with you on this, a perspective. This is going to be a little bit longer um, podcast, probably about another 20 minutes. But I'm going to try move through it. Maybe you can pause here and listen again tomorrow. Um, but from here on, I think some really important things needs to be said. So here we go. Firstly, just three things. But firstly, most people who call themselves Christians are not Christians. Most people who call themselves Christians are not Christians. The first thing that my sister said to me was, this is bad for Christianity after she watched it. This is bad for Christianity. Cecilia Stein, the mastermind, behind the murders of more than 11 people. Um, she, she, I mean, this, this woman was, was really clever, yet she wasn't even at one of the crime scenes. She, they found out, later gave counsel to Mornay Haramsa, which was the guy, the 18-year-old, who took to school with him a samurai sword and s killed that 16-year-old boy. I mean, nobody knew this in 2008. Now it comes out. I mean, this woman had from 2008 to 2016 probably killed other people that we know nothing about. And yet she wasn't even at the crime scene. That is some serious influence that she had. That, that had to be some serious spiritual influence. Now it only comes out that she was a counselor to that young boy who, who in 2008 killed. Uh, when she had, it came out, when she had her demonic attacks from the church of Satan and she had uh, vomited blood. Apparently, she had put her own blood before that in little plastic bags and she would put it in her mouth. And when she have, has these attacks, she would then bite these plastic packets so that her own blood would come out of her, her mouth to make it look real so that these people would have compassion on her, surround her and think that this is all real. And at the court hearing, so this is an extreme, this is a person of extreme deceit, of extreme vile and evilness and sickness, right? And at the hearing, she was asked specifically by the uh, opposing 
uh, attorney, are you a Christian? Okay, and she said, yes, I am. She denied that she was part of anything else. He asked her, are you a born again Christian? Because you see, this attorney understands that there's a difference between somebody who calls himself a Christian and somebody who's a born again Christian. And she said, yes, I am a born again Christian. Here you have a murderer, the worst kind, the worst type of liar, the worst type of deceiver claiming to be a Christian. And the whole atheist world says, told you so, Christianity is fake. And Christians are trying to understand this. How could a Christian do this? But Jesus spoke about this. Jesus specifically spoke about this in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many come will come to me on that day and say, Lord, didn't we drive out demons in your name, perform many miraculous signs in your name? And I will say to them, away from me, you evildoers, for I never knew you. And so the text is actually very clear. Jesus is very clear there. It's about what you do that reveals whether you're a true Christian or not. Jesus also said in Luke chapter 6 verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I told you don't kill people, but yet you go kill people. Obviously, these people are not disciples. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Just in a nutshell, what Jesus is saying there is a true disciple does what Jesus does. A real Christian is a disciple of Jesus. It is a person who does what Jesus would do, that thinks like Jesus would think, that says what Jesus would say, that obeys Jesus. And if he doesn't get it right to obey Jesus, he admits it and says, well, you know, I dropped the ball there. That's what a true disciple does. You see, disciples aren't perfect, but they don't continue in a life of sin. They don't continue in habitual sin. And you know what? Most people out there, who call themselves Christians, they are still stuck in habitual sin. Weekends, they are drunk. They are sleeping around. They are watching pornography. They're actually not real Christians. In their thinking, they think like the world. A real Christian doesn't mean that the person is sinless. It just means that if they sin, they repent. They admit it. Wow, I did what was wrong. Real disciples love Jesus and loves people. That is what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is how all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus if you don't love people. Okay, and so here we have this woman killing people, letting people die. Obviously, she doesn't love people. There's no way that she's a disciple of Jesus. She's something else. Maybe she's still a witch under the guise of Christianity. So, so be careful of discrediting Christianity because of this story. You know, atheists will have a feast on this. You cannot do what these people did and know Jesus Christ and walk in a relationship with him because Jesus never killed anybody. In actual fact, he got killed. He got killed. And if you look at the story, the people who got killed, most of them are actually the good people. Those are actually the real Christians. Um, now, we can't say the same about Islam, and that's what makes Christianity so unique. You can't kill in the name of Christianity because the Bible never allows us to kill people. 
Well, Christianity never allows us to kill people. And Jesus never killed people. Yet when you go to the Quran, for example, the Quran says it's okay to kill the infidel. And also the founder of Islam, Muhammad, he killed people. So it's understandable when Muslims kill in the name of their religion. But Christianity is totally different. No Christian can ever um, justify the death of any person. Okay, so just let's just recap quickly before we go on to number two. Number one, most Christians who call themselves Christians are actually not Christians. And secondly, it's easy to get brainwashed. You would think that these people must be totally stupid. They thought they could get away with the death claim. I mean, they checked the blood on the of, of, of the person that was killed in the car and they could clearly see it was not the uh, the person who had uh, um, insurance on his life that died there. Uh, you have an actuary, you've got a straight A student, you've got a teacher. These are not dumb people. And they all listened to and fell under the influence of this, let's call her a witch, Cecilia Stein. The actuary's name is Zach Valentine. Now, he married a wonderful lady named Michaela Valentine. She, she went to go study theology at Rima. They show in the documentary how she's busy preaching. She studied the Bible. And yet she was on the scene when her husband murdered someone. In other words, she, she's part and parcel. If she was still alive, she would have been in jail now. Okay? She went there with the intent to murder. How do you, how do you move from studying the Bible, preaching the word, to killing people? And in the end, then she was obviously killed under the, um, you know, the influence of her husband. Now, the Bible talks about these things. And I want to just read to you some verses. The first one is um, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9 to 11. It says, um, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. The work of Satan, right? Displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. A few weeks ago, I read to you Romans, Romans chapter 1. Just going to read it to you again quickly. Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 28. It says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And then he says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 also talks about it. It says the following. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so he's saying closer coming to the end of time, more people are going to be deceivers and more people are going to be deceived. And so this is just the, this is just the hem of the garment. Things could get worse. The question then is, how do you get brainwashed? The text, these texts that I've just read tells us, refuse to love the truth. 
If you refuse to love the truth, you are a wide open target to be brainwashed and to get into stuff that you shouldn't be getting into. Secondly, to refuse to retain the knowledge of God. In other words, you've been taught, you know the things of God, but you refuse to keep it inside of you. You let go of it. You forget about it. You abandon the faith laid down by the apostles. The moment you push away the word of God, the moment you push it away, you open yourself up to be brainwashed. So what I also find interesting is how this whole story proves that the spiritual realm exists. This extreme evil reveals the depravity of humankind and the sinister forces behind all evil and suffering. And this reality in turns shows the spiritual truths found in scriptures we've just read. Scripture confirms that what happened in Kruger's Dorp, and this in turn um, legitimizes the Christian faith. So let me go to point number three. Point number three is, and this is very important, and maybe this is the crux, especially for people who are stuck in the Pentecostal movement and who, who's, who's delving into these things. This is point number three. You don't need to know your enemy. You only need to know your savior. You don't need to know your enemy. You only need to know your savior. There isn't one scripture in the Bible that tells us to know our enemy. Not one verse that tells us we need to know Satan. We need to study his ways. We need to recognize demons and the types of demons. And we need to give the demons names as if we ever could. Now, there are a few verses that people tend to bring up. Let me share quickly with you some of them and, and debunk them for you quickly. 2 Corinthians, this is the key verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And let me also just remind you that there's a verse that says, Do not go beyond what is written. And what these people often do is they talk about things that are not in the Bible. The moment you see somebody say, you know, there's a demon and this is his name. He's talking rubbish. It's not in the Bible. He's making up his own things and he's going beyond what's written. And that's dangerous territory. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And so they take this verse and they say, well, we need to be aware of his schemes. Yeah, of course. But being aware that there is an enemy trying to attack you does not mean you infiltrate the enemy camp so you know exactly how they will attack you. Well, why not? Why not? Because you'll get killed in that camp. It's very dangerous. In warfare, when in, in, second, in the Second World War, you don't just take Americans and drop them off in Japan. Tell them to infiltrate. It's the most dangerous thing to do. You might get killed. It's a very dangerous place to be. The enemy cannot touch you if you stay out of his reach. And if you go read the context of these verses, you read from verse 5, he's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about forgiveness. And he's saying, listen, there was a guy who sinned in the church. You guys, you need to forgive him now. Okay? You need to forgive this guy, accept him back into the church because we're aware of the devil's scheme. So what is he talking about? He's saying that if you don't forgive him, you're falling exactly in line with what Satan wants. He doesn't want you to forgive and you're going to walk around with bitterness in your heart. That's the context of this verse. This verse cannot be used to justify that we need to go become, you know, discuss with ex-Satanists what's happening in the satanic movement. It's totally different things. You overcome evil by doing good. You don't overcome evil by going to understand all kinds of evil. It doesn't work like that. 
Another famous verse that people often just love to go to, but they don't actually read it, is Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read to you from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, just keep that in mind. But listen to this. James 4 verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, Ephesians, what we've just read, tells us how we resist them. This is how you do it. He talks about truth. Right? We've got to stand up for truth, righteousness. You've got to do the right thing. You've got to proclaim the gospel. Okay? It says your feet need to be ready, fitted with the gospel of peace. Okay? You've got to have faith. Okay? You've got to have the word of God. Right? It talks about the sword, which is the word of God. You've got to, you've got to hold on to your salvation that is through Christ by faith. And you need to keep on praying. You need to keep on praying. This is how you defeat evil. Truth, righteousness. Proclaiming the gospel, having faith, studying the word of God, making it part of your life, trusting in Christ for your salvation and praying. That's how you defeat the devil. Not by going to war with demons. That doesn't work. And verse 19 is so interesting. It says that Paul um, fearlessly makes known the mystery of the gospel. You know, and what, what really attracts people to these know your enemy types of things is that People want to understand the mysteries of the devil, the mysteries of Satan, the mysteries of the spiritual world. That's not what Paul thought about. That's not what Paul did at all. No, he wanted to understand the mysteries of the gospel, the grace and the glory of God. People love the supernatural, spiritual evil, intrigues people. But that, that means there's something wrong with you. Stay away from that stuff. I find it interesting how some of these people think that they can wage war against the demons. And that flesh and blood people can take on Satan. Are you insane? You know, people totally misread this. And they think that we need to wage a war against demons. No, this is not what the text is saying. The text is saying that you need to stand your ground. You need to stand against the devil's schemes. Now listen to this verse. Luke 1, Jude 1 and verse 9. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels... Did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. The most powerful angel in heaven, the most powerful angel in heaven was careful in his warfare with Satan. And he said, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, the spiritual, the evil spiritual realm is something that we have to be very careful of. We cannot, we, you, don't, you don't fight 
you 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 can't take on demons you think that you a mere 50 year old um lady rina grunewald can take on a demon that is 6000 years old that was birthed in eternity you think you can take on a demon are you crazy he walks circles around you and that's exactly what happened. Ria Grunewald's life has been ruined. She is gone. She said during the court hearings that her life, that she no longer exists. It is over. Okay, so these verses are not verses that you can use to say we need to study the devil. That's not what it says. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 is another verse. I'll just quickly um, read for us. It talks about Satan and it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in what? The faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What is this text saying? Is this text saying, go study Satan? No, not at all. It says, be self-controlled. That's how you defeat the devil. Be self-controlled and be alert and stand in your faith. Keep on trusting God. That's how you defeat Satan. Nowhere. Does the Bible say we need to study Satan or study his kingdom? Okay. It's interesting that when you work at an, uh, at an, in, in the bank, they don't teach you how to distinguish a false note from a true note uh, by studying all the false notes. No, they teach you how to study the true note. If you know the true note, you can easily distinguish the fake note. And this is exactly the problem. People don't study the Bible. They will rather go to a course like Know Your Enemy where people tell them things that are not in the Bible so that they can understand the mystique and the mysterious ways of the devil, apparently, which nobody can understand. We've just got to stick to what the Bible says. So study the Bible and just that. Don't take on Satan. We resist him. How do we do that? By seeking God and doing his will. That's how we resist Satan. The Bible doesn't tell us to seek Satan and the mysteries of the spiritual realm, but it over and over and over says, seek God, know God, seek his ways, do his will. Matthew 6 verse 33, for example, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Okay, 2 Peter 3, 18 says, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It nowhere says, grow in the knowledge of Satan. No, we've got to get to know our Lord and Savior. I can go on and on and point out hundreds of scriptures that point out that we need to seek God and His kingdom and His righteousness. I, I find it interesting that Cecilia Stein was best friends with Ria Grunewald as long as she did the Know Your Enemy courses. But when Ria grew out of it and started presenting the Know Your Savior courses, that is when Cecilia left and started her murdering spree. And so I say, don't fear Satan. Don't delve into his ways. Don't fear or wonder about demons. Know Jesus. Seek him with all your heart. Do his will. And you will be safe.